Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV and ask the question... Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today is the day of reckoning. I've been waiting for this day for so long. This was one of the first things I wanted to do when we started our podcast. Why? Because it's one of those, it's like, you know, there's a thing called like a forgot buster, like a huge blockbuster movie that everybody had to see, but nobody kind of really remembers it. Mm. And I feel like that's where ABC after school specials and their derivatives on other networks that we'll talk about later. I feel like that's where they fall. It's this huge thing that was part of childhoods of like Gen Xers mostly and some elder millennials. Mm -hmm. And it was like you it was appointment tv sometimes like you'd like be like oh they're gonna talk about this let's be let's go home but also because they're awful and i think it's gonna be hilarious yeah to talk i think about you them. had a different type of appointment tv than i did no like it was a thing like after school at three o'clock we'll talk about it in our memories at any rate we are talking today about abc after school specials and you can find those really only on youtube because they're not anywhere yeah, else that's where you find them so um before we get into that, it's our non-sponsored snack review time. All right. So, in going with our theme, like, I thought, what do you eat after school? Or in this case, what do you grab to drink? And the one answer is Sunny Delight. The other answer is Purple Stuff. But the third answer is, is Capri Sun. Capri Sun. And you take them in lunchboxes and... Okay, this is precarious because we do have, they have a kind with a, a twist top, but we have like the original poke the hole with the straw. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing twist this. I'm going to get it. suckers. I'm going to get it all. Oh, I did it. Nice job. All right. I don't know that I've ever actually had Capri Sun. Okay. Interesting. So at least that I can remember. So I'm going to try it now. Go for it. Capri Suns are excellent. As those of you who don't okay. know, they're the foil packed, um, like fruit punch. There was a number of different flavors. Fruit punch, I feel like, is the most popular, but there's a lot of different flavors of it. And most of us saw them in our childhood. You either got it packed in your lunch or on a field trip, or like if you went to a picnic, a lot of times this, and it still is today to my, you know, a lot of places I've gone, it's kind of like the go-to if you know there's going to be a bunch of kids at a place and you have to get drinks. Which is actually how I got this pack. Somebody had a party for kids and they had some Capri Sun left over and I said, can I grab one of those for our podcast? And they were like, that's a weird question, Megan. <laughs> um, but yeah, the father of Capri Sun is Rudolph Wilde. In 1931, he founded this company, and he um, in Germany. Yep. And his he specialized in raw materials for food products, and he really wanted just natural food products, no chemicals. In 1969, Capri Sun S O N N E, and its inspiration was the sun at Capri, like in Italy. Okay. So it's named after. An island in Italy, but he's German. Interesting. So when did they change it to S-U-N? Well, I think it's still S-O-N-N-E in other countries. Okay. Right. Um, so 1969, yeah, the stand-up foil pouch. Um, the first flavors were just lemon and orange. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then 
1973, people wanted a supply at home. So I guess they were just sold like how you can grab a can of pop at 7-Eleven yeah, or something. They were, or they were probably sold at like, like kiosk kind of things, yeah. like on the beach and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And then what really took it into the stratosphere, 1979, boxing sports legend Muhammad Ali became their international spokesperson Except it still wasn't in the U.S. yet. So it was still sold internationally in Europe. And like a lot of celebrities do those ads like because mm-hmm. they can make so much money. So he, um, yeah, he became their spokesperson and it blew up by 1980. It was in Africa and Asia. And that's when it also had the straw in the pouch design. So I guess before that, maybe it had like something that you'd peel open. Well, you had to cut the, cut the corner maybe. Maybe. <laughs> and then... By 1982, that's when it launched in the U.S. So that's why it's such a big part of our childhoods because... It launched in 82. In 82. And it won awards for um, the the U.S. medal for packaging of the year. I didn't know you could win a medal for that. For packaging of the year, huh? And best new product. Because of the foil stand-up pouch? Yeah, because because the foil foil stand-up pouch. By 92, it was a leader in uh, Europe, so it was number one in its market for, like, fruit juices and stuff. And by 94, it was a leader in the U.S. In 2004, 5 billion drink pouches had been sold worldwide. That doesn't surprise me. They go like crazy. And by 2007, that's where they had the twist-off cap. They also sent it to the International Space Station in 2010. And now it's in 119 countries around the world. And I have to say, I enjoyed this a little more than I thought I would. I don't love fruit punch flavored things. This is, I can taste the apple and the cherry. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of as I drank it, and I've had a Capri Sun, but it's been a little while. But what it reminds me of a little bit is Juicy Juice, which I've mentioned before on this podcast. Because it was all natural ingredients, and so is this. So it has that flavor of like... It doesn't have like the chemically fake fruit punch That's flavor true. that a lot of drinks do. Um, it really does taste like mixed yeah. mixed fruit. Like basically. Hawaiian punch, I don't care for. Right. I'm not a big juice person, so my rating on this is going to be subjective. Having said that, I full on expected to give this one, and I'm not going to. <laughs> I, I I didn't drink these a lot as far as my memory as a kid, but I mean occasionally I would have one. But when I was in college. <clears throat> I stocked overnight at a grocery store as a job while I was going to school. And this was a really easy stock. I remember Mm. Capri Suns a lot because they come in a long cardboard box with Mm -hmm. 10 Capri Suns, right? Which is really ingenious because the cardboard box is kind of thick. So it keeps the pouches from getting punctured and leak. Okay. Right? And they stack really easily and really fast when you're actually filling shelves. That's funny. So Capri Suns were like a gimme. Yeah, I remember everybody taking these on a field trip, but I, as I mentioned in one of our other recent podcasts, I would have a frozen... Yoo-hoo. Uh, Nesquik. Okay, Because the Yoo-hoo were in glass bottles, That's as true. we recalled. Yeah, I would, I would have a frozen Nesquik, because I'm not like a juice person. I also can't really digest milk that well. So the field trips, I remember yeah. just feeling sick by That's the That's why you would have been better with Yoohoo, which is like chocolate water. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't even look at a Yoohoo. I and don't know that we'll ever review it on this do, podcast because I can't look at it. in cardboard boxes with straws now. Yeah. But for a long time during my childhood, at least, I know they no, were, they were glass just, bottles. Yeah. So what are we rating out of? Um, 
I don't know, textbooks? Yeah, that works. Okay. If reading Rainbow last time was just books. So, so now we're, we're being specific we're being this specific. Time. If you haven't been with us before, we pick something random but kind of connected to whatever we're talking about to rate. It's one out of five for the snack, one out of ten for the show. So I'm going to give Capri Sun a three. It's okay. It's better than I thought it would be. I'm not a juice person. It's a little sweet for me. Um, yeah, that's my rating. Three. Three out of five for Megan. What about you? I'm going to give it a four because it does take me back to my... We drank a lot of juice as kids uh, because we weren't allowed to have soda or anything. And so uh, it takes me back to my, my youth a little bit with that, that taste. So I'm going to go with a four. Okay, so... Three and a half textbooks out of five. Right. Three and a half out of five textbooks for the snack. Um, so the after school special, Steve, I know usually you do the summary. Do you want to summarize briefly the two that we watched? Or do you want to kind of summarize what the after school special was? Yeah, let's let's discuss the after school special. What okay. it was in general, and right? then I can give some history and because fun facts. This is kind of like a, when you have a show where you talk about what the show's overall theme is, and then we talk about episodes. Yeah, that works. And that's really what this was because there were episodes, forty-five minutes or so. Um, after ABC After School specials were really, um, they were short movies about an hour with commercials, mm-hmm. right? Forty-five minutes if you're watching on YouTube. And the whole purpose was they were supposed to have actors who were kids or looked like kids and were in situations that teens and adolescents might run into in real life, right? So they were supposed to teach you things about, like, stranger danger or, um, you know, as we're going to see, hitchhiking. Alcohol use. Alcohol use, drugs, right? All that kind of thing. Peer yeah. pressure, bullying, right? Any any issues that you might come into uh, into um that you might experience as a teen or an adolescent um this special was supposed to kind of show you the bad part and then what should happen or what or or how to kind of help yeah that's a great description so right here i just want to pause we don't normally do trigger warnings for this show there are a lot of sensitive things that we're going to be talking about that were in the episodes we watched and also in general as we talk about these shows. And the reason I'm doing a trigger warning is not just because of the material. Um, we are going to talk about things like drug use, sexual assault, that kind of thing. But also because um, we're going to be making fun of it. <laughs> Right, not, right. No, we're not making fun of the, the alcohol use or the sexual yeah. assault, obviously. But well, the acting and storytelling, yes, possibly. And 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 the, the general idea of the ABC after school special because they are kind of ridiculous. This is a nostalgic, cynical look back. Right. We do we do say that. Sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical. This is gonna be a little bit of both. Um, so I just don't want people to at me. <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, please, please don't write into me and being like, how dare you laugh about a situation that's sensitive or whatever, because we're not laughing at the situation. We're laughing at how it's handled right. by um, people who very clearly are not teenagers. Steve, the ABC After School Special, they ran these from 1972 until 1997. Yes. Which is a way longer time than I thought. Yeah, it was, 20... yeah, it was 25 seasons. CBS also then started up school break specials to compete, mm-hmm. and those ran from 78 until 96. 
Okay. Um, what I what I noticed when I looked at the the titles and the actors in CBS specials, they tried to bring in bigger name stars to compete with ABC after school specials because ABC was more established already. Um, then we also had a shorter lived NBC. I can't even say this. NBC NBC special treat. Oh, good. Just a little special treat, Steve. And those ran from 75 to 86. What I noticed about the NBC specials is that unlike ABC and CBS, these were not always based in teen stories. So sometimes they were sci-fi. Sometimes they were based on classic books. Sometimes they were documentaries. Okay, so they were just stories for kids. Yeah, they basically. were meant for teens. But And I would say, too, even the ABC after school specials, looking at the titles and of... Not the ones that are just on YouTube, but overall, they're a lot more varied than I thought they would be. Like, I thought these were all, like, problem stories. Okay. Um, but basically, there was programming for kids, families, and adults, but not anything actually aimed at teenagers. I will also say, you know, the idea of the teenager kind of started in the 1950s by the 1970s teenagers really started to have like purchasing power right so you can advertise to them you also have and i think i've mentioned this on the show before around the same time in the 1970s you have uh nascent stages the beginning stages of young adult literature right so not just books for kids or adults but specifically for teenagers and so what happened is that there's this executive called uh, named Martin Tassie, and he was the child of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. He grew up kind of lonely, and he wanted to do programming for kids who were like him. And he thought, what if we had shows, like, if I was the child of an alcoholic, I didn't have anywhere to turn, nobody to tell me what to do or how to kind of handle the situation. Right. And that's kind of how he got the idea for the after school special. So what he turned to for scripts were this this new YA genre. Okay. And so a lot of the things, including one of the ones that we watched, was a book that they optioned to make into an after-school special. Right. But they wanted to focus on teens solving their own problems, which we're going to talk about, especially with the first one we watched, mm-hmm. that they wanted to have parents kind of, parents could be there but they weren't going to be the ones to solve the problem, mm-hmm. right? That this was going to be a teen or their t- a teen and their peers kind of figuring out what to do. And in that way, kind of empower the viewer to know what to do in this situation. Um, and it's really this idea of like, you know, by that point, people were saying like TV rots your brain, right? Right. And we talked about last time with Reading Rainbow, TV having this potential for education and they kind of saw it the same way. It has a potential for education, but also social change. Right. And there's, like, a lot of political stuff in the background about, like, not having um, crappy programming. Right, right. And <laughs> we've talked about that with cartoons that we've discussed, too. Right? Yeah, Remember definitely. Transformers, G.I. Joe, 80s cartoons. They had to tone the violence down. But also, like, G.I. Joe had knowing is half the battle, where they had right. to give, like, little messages at the, ba- right. at the end. So they had this gap where it's like after soap operas and before the news 
and nobody's really watching TV at that point in time, yeah. except the teens who come you're, home you're from school. You're talking like three to six, right? Right, exactly. So there's all these latchkey kids, um, which was a big thing uh, when we were growing up, right? Like a newer thing because kids had moms who worked. Like ours did. Um, And so there's unsupervised teens at home. And instead of giving them reruns, why not give them programming? Um, The first year when I looked at it, like some were animated, some were historical fiction. There was one about like the Underground Railroad. They probably didn't really know where they wanted to go. Yeah. And then later they became contemporary stories. So issues like bullying, puberty, step families. Um, starting your own business as a teen. Oh, okay. First love, pregnancy, homelessness, um, AIDS later on. Okay. Shoplifting, suicide, um, marriage. Which, so all these different All things, these different yeah. things. What's interesting to me is, too, that they tried to tackle things like, like kind of normal things like, hey, I'm overweight, right? Right. But they also would tackle things like eating disorders, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, they also tried to do a lot of cultural diversity so that it was for any kid watching, right? not just like suburban white kids watching. Yeah. What's interesting too is that I think because they're kind of lost, it's difficult to tell like which were on ABC, which were CBS, which were NBC. Right. But so I'm just going to talk in general. Some of the, some of the stars, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Rob Lowe, John Travolta, Sam Rockwell. Michael Jackson, Rosanna Arquette, Jodie Foster, Drew Barrymore, Tatum O'Neill, Corey Feldman, Melissa Sue Anderson, Bo Bridges, Ralph Macchio, like... Basically your, your 80s all-stars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1992, they hired Oprah. They were like, this this is kind of flagging a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. hire Oprah and have her kind of do the programming and decide which okay. topics the teens are going to hear about. Um, and did she like MC that? But did she like, like was she like I the... don't think so. I think that they just like hired her to be, do behind the scenes. Okay. They might have had a couple that were like presented by Oprah, but right. I don't think that she came and talked from what I can tell. Sometimes, you know especially as we talk about them, we're going to talk about the way that they didn't age well. So we'll kind of get into that later. Like a lot of these are like, it's okay if you're disabled, as long as you can overcome it. Yeah. Like maybe like you're deaf and you just live a different way. You don't have to like overcome anything. Um, And essentially here's what killed it. A couple of things. Mm -hmm. Number one, that people who are our age and elder millennials are very cynical and we're like, stop trying to teach me something. Yes. And especially in this corny way. Um, a lot of them too, the same problems and cliches. I mean, I will get into this in memories, but like I watched a bunch of these about eating disorders. How much, how much can you say? Right. It's going to be kind of the same story. And then the other thing that happened is just a shift in storytelling. You know, you have, Young adult books become way more sophisticated. By the end of the 96, you're talking about Harry Potter comes out right around that. Yeah. Right? So you have TV shows like Veronica Mars. The whole first season is her investigating her own sexual assault. Right. Done in a way more interesting way where she's also cynical about the situation. Right? right? Um, You have things like Law & Order SVU. 
which deals with that same right. topic. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the OC. Like, right. so there's more teen shows that are being done in primetime and doing some of these better topics better. A little bit yeah. Too. The other thing, too, is they really had a, I mean, they had a tremendous run, 25 years, right? But they had, unfortunately, that 72 to 97, mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately, it straddled two generations. Yes. When it first came on, they were really showing boomers. Because baby boomers would have been teens in 72. Most Gen Xers would have been younger. Even the earlier Gen Xers were 65. Yeah, some They of, would have only been seven years old. Right. So At I'm, the earliest. I'm thinking about... Yeah, so I'm thinking about, like, my Aunt Heather is... It was a surprise. <laughs> right, right. So she's in our generation, but she's about, tw- I think she's 12 years older than we are, 13 yeah. maybe. Um, so she would have watched them in the late 70s. But yeah, the My f- parents the early... would have been 16 and, and younger. Yeah. You know, in their, in their baby boomers. Yeah, that's true. They're the, 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 the end of it, and then we, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, because my parents would have been, I mean, they were engaged by 72. Right. right, so they're right. they're clearly out of it, but you're right. Your parents, the tail end of the boomer generation, and then into the Gen X, and then yes. also millennials as well, because like the older millennials by '96, many of them are teenagers, right? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's I mean Gen X kind of ends in '80, right? So you're talking about by '96, yes, a lot of the older. Millennials the, the, are going to be sixteen by yeah that the point. very the very tail end of Gen X would have been seventeen but sixteen seventeen I think for the most part this is this is for the most part by the time they found their stride knew what they were doing all three networks were doing it you're talking about the entire generation of <laughs> oh they Gen got X. all of Gen X but um, they, when they started they had teenagers that were baby boomers yeah. who were a lot less cynical than the Gen Xers they then moved into. That's true. Um, I will say, too, that just to kind of round this out, that the the storytelling here that we're going to be making fun of a little bit um, is very much, here's the plot. It's yeah. like one plot A to B. And in a lot of the shows I talked about, you know, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we're going to visit in October. Yep. So coming up soon. If you think about that, there's an A plot, a B plot, and sometimes a C yes. plot. There's multiple, um, you have one story sometimes as an arc, especially in later seasons, where it's four or five episodes until they resolve it, right? So the storytelling, I think, is part of the reason that people are so cynical because, and it does seem a little dull right? when watching it, and it seems kind of old-fashioned. And, and, and I think, you know, just speaking from my own standpoint as, as a Gen Xer and being kind of a cynical, you know, smart mouth that I can be, (laughs) right? To put it nicely. Um, You know, I would have been that way. I would have, because I didn't watch a lot of these, but I would have seen it and been like, wait a second, you're going to like cure abuse, you're going to cure domestic violence in 45 minutes? Like really, you know? Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, so that's a little bit of the history, how it came about, what they were trying to do. Um, how it succeeded for a certain period of time, you you had people talking about issues that really weren't on TV at that point. Um, and then after a while, because people get used to seeing it over and over and over, um, you, you, you know, it served its purpose. I'll put it that way. Yes. So we're going to take our break here. When we come back, we'll talk about our memories or lack thereof, and then we'll get into our full review and recap. Yep. Don't go away. 
This podcast is supported by its creators and listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small, independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now, back to the show. All right, everybody. Well, hopefully you didn't go away or change the channel. I'm trying a new catchphrase. I don't know about it. Uh, I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. Don't don't switch that podcast. How's that sound? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to do that. They're like, uh, we heard these guys on Zabe's podcast and now we're not so sure. Yeah. (laughs) If you didn't, we did a guest uh, spot on Who Will Save Generation X, which is a lot of what we're talking about today. A lot of what we're talking about today, yeah. Um, Things that Gen Xers remember that everybody else has forgotten. So what are some of your memories about after school specials. As I mentioned before the break, you know, I didn't watch a lot of these. I remember them being out there, but it was to me, I guess, as that cynical Gen X where I was like, no. Like, I'd rather watch cartoons, even as a teenager, yeah. or I'd rather watch or 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 I was watching movies and stuff. Like right. I just jumped into, you know, to me an after school special, while they were geared towards teens, They were probably watched by, like, 12, 13-year-olds more. So that's what I was actually going to say, that the the ones that I remember, I remember in middle school people talking about different ones that were going to come on. Yeah. Um, And I remember... I really wanted to find one that I could not find. And it's this true story of a girl who got stood up for the prom, and then she sued the guy who stood her up. Mm-hmm. Because she had to pay for her dress and her part of the limo and like her course, like all these, like her makeup and her hair yeah. and stuff. Um, but it was things like that. But you're right when I think about it. So I would have been, for lack of a wet, better word, like daycare, like K through five or K to four. Yeah. In fifth grade, I started babysitting. So I was like 11 by that point. And then um, I would come home from school and I had a gap between my parents were both teachers, Mm -hmm. but I had a gap between like when they came home and when I was home. So um, yeah, I would watch some ABC after school specials and in particular, so I struggled with some eating disorders around that time. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I basically, wa- I don't want to say it, put it this way, but I watched them like for tips about what to oh, do. Good. So totally the opposite of, it's a pretty girl who's thin on TV and she's telling you how she got that way. I mean, that's kind of how I looked at People it. People are like, don't do this. And Megan was like, she's got a notebook out and she's like, maybe. Well, let- they, that's the problem with some of these is that they're they're framed the wrong way. And in, in the case of the ones with the eating disorders, they kind of ended up glamorizing it a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, having said that, I think it did interest me of... I'm not going through this some of this stuff, but I know other people who are. Like, maybe I could talk... Like, that... It did open the door to talking to some of my friends about yeah. some of the stuff they were going through. I had a friend whose parents went through a very... Um, horrible divorce 
and her her one of her parents had a pretty in a small town a fairly public affair yeah right and that was something that I remember she was like, it's kind of like what was just on TV, you know. But again, in fifth grade, not in like 11th, 12th. Right. Which I, I think is kind of who they were trying to aim for, but, but it know, was really a like A lot tweens. of times, even still today, you know, kids usually are watching up. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. Your teens are watching adult stuff. Right. Your preteens are watching teen stuff because they want to be yeah. older. But I agree with you on the fact that many of these, I was like, oh, this is just awful. And especially we've talked about storytelling Mm -hmm. and how both of us feel about that. And I I mentioned this on, I think, our third episode is when we did Cheers, Mm -hmm. second or third. Um, I ended up watching just a lot of reruns of Cheers eventually. Yeah. Like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And, and, you know, as I think about it also, adolescence and teens, my middle school, high school years... At that stage in my life, my parents didn't let us watch TV after school. Mm. We got home, me and my two brothers, and we either had to do homework yeah. or go outside and play. Right. We weren't allowed a whole lot of TV time. If we were watching TV, it might be later at night, like prime time. Like we might watch like Full House, Step by Step, things that came on later. That's because Dawn was home though, right? Yes, at that so point. So if you had gone through that when you were a latchkey kid before that... Then I might have watched them, because yes. Because that's the But thing. at this point, we were like... My, my mom was like, go outside and play. Right. Like, go do something. You're not going to sit in front of the TV. Because I had like an hour and a half and I would do homework if I had to do homework. I kind of didn't do homework for yeah. a long... But I would watch TV while I did homework. And then my brother would come home from his school, which let out way later. Mm-hmm. Then And my parents came home quickly after that. And then it was like, go outside and play until, until the streetlights come on, basically. Yeah, that's what us. we were, yeah. yeah. And me and my brothers got along, along really well. So we would go out and build forts and play will, in the woods and all sorts of I stuff. I will say, too, I think another thing that might have killed it that I didn't mention is that Nintendo came out. So, that's true. Like so my, a lot of times people were going on Nintendo. My brother would come home, um, again, he would have maybe, I think I had an hour before he got home, and he had like a half hour before my dad got home. Mm. And I, I, he would play Nintendo during that time. He's not watching TV. Right. You know, or he'd be out playing with the other kids on our block. But I do remember, um, I do remember that they were not, some of them were not great. I remember that other ones, especially the ones I watched when I was a kid, like... I don't think I saw the Jodie Foster one, but I might have seen one of the ones with Drew Barrymore. Um, And we didn't watch it, but I did find on YouTube one that has Corey Feldman and Drew Barrymore. And they're in a rehab. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. They're in rehab. Yes. And I'm like, did they intentionally find... Like young child stars who were struggling with drugs and then make them do a movie about being in rehab because it seems like that's exactly what happened. Or did they put out a casting call and the two of them were like, we got this. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, Like if we can't play a teen in rehab, we should just hang off. Yeah. It's interesting because Drew Barrymore went through that middle phase, like before she became an adult star of yeah. like. Oh, by um, her teenage years, she was almost done with drugs. Like she had already, she I, was doing coke in Studio Fifty Four at ten years well, old. I actually, like, yeah, I think that, um, and I think she started when she was eight. But I believe that this movie was after she got divorced from her parents and all that. Yeah, she probably was um, getting clean by she this probably point. Probably was. Yeah, I I can't speak oh, about. Corey although Fowler. I'm thinking about it, I think she's my age, roughly. So, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, but that would still be... Well, in the one that I saw, she was probably 15, and I think by that point she was cleaned she up. She was probably cleaned yeah. up, yeah. Um, at any rate, let's get into... So the first episode, you now you those those people who remember watching our previous or listening to our previous episodes know that I got to choose one of these and you got to choose one. Yes. So I chose Andrea's story, a hitchhiking tragedy. Tragedy, right? And I chose this because I'm going to just give a little insight into Steve's brain. Okay. okay? This is a new segment called Steve's Brain. Oh no. So a little insight. <laughs> I know that some of these shows could go real dark, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go there. So I was like, oh, a hitchhiking story. Like, it's probably going to be, like, some girl or guy hitchhiking and some guy, like, creepy person picks them up and then they escape and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'll never do that again, right? So I'm like, that sounds like a safe way to go. Okay. So here's Megan's brain, contrary to Steve's brain. I was excited because I thought that hitchhiking tragedy might start with a murder. And I thought that it would be... The friends of the murdered girl not stop, learning not to stop try, Stop ruining my childhood, <laughs> no. okay? So I chose this hitchhiking story on purpose because I'm like, this is better than a lot of other places this could go. Yeah, that's true. Now, that being said, I was bait and switched by ABC. Yeah. Because this was not a hitchhiking story. It's really a sexual assault story. Yeah. So that, again, trigger warning. And if you want to stop listening here and switch over to Who Will Save Gen X, you can hear us over on that show. But, um, yeah, now we are going to make fun of how they handled it because they did not handle it well. They did not handle it well. But there's a lot more to do with the fact that Andrea was sexually assaulted while hitchhiking. Yes. Than actual hitchhiking. Right. That was kind of the means to the end, but it was more about how she handled and how she kind of tried to overcome. And also, like, yeah, this is so. This one was done in 1983. Um, actually, both both of our episodes, surprisingly, were from '83. So So, season twelve. I know twelve. Yeah, I yeah, I'm not quite sure. This might have been eleven in the spring, and the other one was twelve. Right. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how they landed on that. Um, but. The, um, you know, the idea 83, I think people were still hitching, right? I know this again, a boomer thing versus a Gen X thing. My parents definitely hitched, especially my father. Yeah. I know for a fact, my dad went to Woodstock and apparently was like, this isn't for me and left. But he was in that generation where they would have been hitching. We never hitchhiked. I would never hitchhike. I was told, like, if you hitchhike, someone's going to kill you. No, no, no. I want to say this. This is a conversation I had with somebody the other day, and they were like, you know, back, they're our age, and they Mm. were like, back in my day, they just let us go out anywhere we wanted. We rode our bikes around, and we just came back at dark. How come people don't raise their kid like that anymore? And I go, because also back in my day, I sat in a cafeteria looking at another kid's face on my milk carton. That's true. So that's why I wouldn't, if I had kids, I would raise them a little differently. But all that to say, dear audience, that Steve's brain was trying to choose, like, the most... Maybe easier, nicer one. And in reality, out of the two we're going to talk about today, I ended up choosing the much worse one. So I know you normally give the summary, but I'm going to do it in this case. Mm -hmm. So um, essentially we have Andrea and her... There's a little bit of an intro or whatever where they're hitching and it shows that they do this all the time, right? Then we're taken to Andrea and her boyfriend a couple days later Um, the two of them decide they don't want to walk and they decide to hitch a ride. The man in the car drops off her boyfriend 
and he drives her past where he's supposed to drop her off. Right. And then we see Andrea come home with a bruise on her face and she's acting weird. She takes a shower and all of that. We learn later, um, and she tells, again, this is teens helping teens. So mm-hmm. she tells her friend she's been assaulted. Um, and then her friend encourages her to tell her parents and go to the police and all of that. So she reports to the police. She reports to her parents. She gets a lot of shame and blame that we're going to talk about later. Um, and eventually, um, her there's a lot of fallout from the assault. So we see her kind of dealing with it emotionally. She gets in touch with a rape crisis counselor Mm -hmm. and she eventually is able to identify the guy that did this um, and he's done it to other people and it ends with they're going to prosecute him and she's going to go to trial. So that's basically a brief overview. Um, Let's take this point by point now. (laughs) Now that I dealt with it seriously, um, they, they missed the bus in the beginning Right, to get home. This is, so they decide to hitchhike. Yeah, and we see that this is based on a book called Did You Hear What Happened to Andrea? Yes. And it's written by Gloria Miklowitz, who wrote these kind of teen problem novels. She also wrote After the Bomb, a book I have read. It's like a fictionalized, like, what would ha- like post-nuclear war kind of thing. Um, but... <laughs> Here we go. Okay, so Andrea, sorry. So Andrea is in the car with her boyfriend. The older man driving the car says, you two go in steady. And what does Andrea's boyfriend say? Something like that. Excuse me, David. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's concerned. This was an interesting point too, Steve, because every, Andrea's mom and apparently David's parents as well, they're concerned that they're spending too much time together and that, and they tell them repeatedly that they should date around. Yeah, especially Andrew's mom. She's like, you, I think she should be dating more, you know, dating around more. That's a, why? My only thought about that, possibly, I think that that was a thing in the 70s, 80s. And here's why. Because more girls were being encouraged to go to college. So if they, so I think a lot of the parents who were like boomer silent generation got married straight out of high school. Now more girls are going to college. So I think they're like, don't get too serious with your boyfriend. Yeah. And I thought that it was going to be like something about teen pregnancy or something else. But but still, I mean, I would never tell my daughter like, just play the field. Yeah. Like, why are you just with one, why do you have one boyfriend? Like, get out and play, you know, go check it out. Go on a number of dates. First off, I would tell my daughter, if you're not ready to get married, you shouldn't be dating. Right? Because that's the only reason is to find somebody to marry. Right? If you you don't have a car and you got to take a bus and then hitch up, you're not ready to get married. Especially (laughs) if David doesn't have a car to drive you. I think that you can date to find a little bit more about yourself, to find out about the type of person that you want to be with. Go to a yoga retreat if you want to find out about yourself. No, I think that... No, no, don't go to a yoga retreat. (laughs) You're you're not going to find any... No. Um, I think that... I think that sometimes dating, especially like dating in a group, right? Mm-hmm. You do find out um, how to socialize, what kind of person you want to date, what kind of person you want to be with. And I didn't do that. And I eventually found my way to you, sweetie, but it was a harder road. <laughs> I don't know. At any rate, um, 
So, David says something like that, even though they've been talking about what they're going to do when he leaves for college and all that. The music let us lets us know that something is wrong. Yeah. So the driver's like, I have three kids. They're about your age. Mm, I don't like that. Balding, weird guy. <laughs> um, it's okay if you're bald. But this guy, he's meant to look, I don't know. He They made it look a little like... He, they made it look, he looks like a sitcom dad. Yeah. And I think that was intentional. Because you're not going to get in a car with somebody who looks sketchy. Right. Right? So this is somebody who's super friendly, has three kids. Um, David just gets out of the car and lets her ride home with a stranger. Yeah, they go to David's house first. And, well, he he's, basically, it's discussed, like, you know, if she wants to get out with David. And she was like, well, yeah, because at first she's like, I'll get out because I only live right around the corner. Yeah. And then the guy is like, oh, no, it's no big deal. I'm going that way anyway. I can just drop you. Yeah. But if you're David, you should have been like, no, you know, you know what? what why, don't you, why don't you stay here with me for, why listen, don't you come in and we can do homework or something? Yeah, listen. You don't let your girlfriend be in the car alone Steve, with some of these guy. people never had stranger danger in their school and it shows no they had <laughs> they had missed the bus hitchhike i know jump into a stranger's this car is, this is 83 by the time by the time you and i were coming through school this is why gen x is more cynical because <laughs> there's no way in heck i would ever hitchhike number one if i did i would have some kind of a weapon on me because i got to be prepared yeah. number two number three i'm not even letting this guy see where i live right right so the idea that he's going to drop me off at home no 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 i'm going to go in with david and make sure that that car leaves yes. and then have david walk me home right right i'm also i'm not wearing a ponytail steve because that's how they get you <laughs> That's how they get you. They grab you by your ponytail. You know, it's it's because we were taught, obviously, the dangers of hitchhiking. But both ways, when I started driving, I was told, don't pick up hitchhikers because they could kill you. Yeah. You don't know who's what stranger is getting in a car with another stranger. It's not a good mix. Having said that, the chances of two serial killers being in the car at the same time are low. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Having said that, this is the kind of thing, I guess, I mean, this is why this is on TV, right? Because they don't have this type of education. And this is how kids learned back then. So here's the thing. Okay, we have a very serious moment. Andrea comes home. She runs up the stairs. She looks into the mirror and touches her bruises. If you're aware of this type of storytelling, you know what's happened. Right. She takes a shower. Now, if you don't, and you're, and this is new to you, in 1983, you may be wondering, did he hit her? Did he rob her? Whatever. That's true. But then we cut downstairs to the family. And the dad is bringing out a salad for dinner and making fun of Italian people in a really bizarre... He's He's got jokes. He thinks he's funny. It's like dad humor, and he's like, hey, who's got the salad tonight? Hey, da, 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 da. And, and I'm like, why is he making fun of Italian yeah. people? And her brother is a very young Kirk Cameron. Yes, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, very young Kirk Cameron. Yeah, he doesn't so, have a whole lot of lines in this movie. No, he doesn't, um, and he really is, if you didn't see the name before, he's really unrecognizable almost. Yeah, um, yeah so... What's interesting to me is that at this point, we kind of see things from the parents' perspective. And I think it's trying to show teens watching that your parents 
maybe are good people, but they don't know what's going on with you. And they right. just maybe want to help, but they don't know how. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. So then Andrea meets up with her friend Kim the next morning. And Kim says, the mall's too far away. Let's just hitch. And Andrea freaks out. Well, yeah, because last time she hitched, yesterday, yeah. she was assaulted. So Kim goes, what's wrong? He looks safe. Kim, that's how you get murdered times. <laughs> so Andrea admits to her friend that she was assaulted. Yep, and Kim has the good sense to tell her she should go to the police. Yeah. So here's my issue, and this is why we need Law & Order SVU, Okay. Mm-hmm. I know that you don't love that show, but there are studies that show that, like, people who have at least seen a couple episodes understand better how rape victims are treated Mm. and how to treat them and and what you might go through if you're in that situation. Because she goes to the police. And what happens, Steve? How do they treat her when she's there? Well, I mean, they don't... Obviously, they don't treat her with, like, the caring that they should. They're... But they, but they, I don't think that they were mean to her. The guy is like, well, you threw away your clothes. There goes my well, physical evidence. You uh, took a shower. What the hell were you thinking? He didn't say it like that. He's, he was a little bit more professional than that. And I want to say, you and I viewed this very differently. Because I saw this as some, one of the few good pieces to this. Mm. Because they're teaching someone who's watching this, hey, if this happens, you shouldn't throw away the clothes that might have evidence. You shouldn't take a shower before you call the police, right? To me, it actually was was giving some good advice by telling her, hey, you shouldn't have done that, it, telling why. I think that if they had, after she reported, in a caring way, said, you know, we usually tell people it's okay and what you did was not, you know, you'll be, it's not your fault, but... We usually tell people not to do that and do it that way. Because what I put in my notes is no wonder girls don't report. Because if I saw, I'd be like, I'm not going to go and have the police tell me I did everything wrong. I think that that is a good point as well, is that they probably, is that it does show the difference between how this was, right? Yeah. I mean, let's face it, Ice-T wouldn't have handled things that way. No, he wouldn't have. But I thought that it was a good, I thought that that was needed in the story because, and he's not reprimanding her. No, he's not. He wasn't That's being true. a jerk about it. The guy that plays the police, the detective, actually, I felt like, you know, because he, he gives her the card for, like, the hotline. Well, he gives it to her mom later. Well, he gives it to her mom first, yeah. Right. And then when he finds out that she never got it, he gives later her one. Later he gives it to her, And yeah. he kind of follows up. So, I mean, he could have been better, but I didn't think he was terrible. It's not like, I mean, we've heard stories back in the 70s and 80s right. where, where girls showed up and they'd be like, well, was what it your boyfriend? You what were you Yeah, and yeah. he didn't do that. No, he didn't. Right? So it does show it does show kind of the time. I mean, also, the way her parents react is so Her parents ridiculous. were way worse than the cops, I thought. Now... Pause for a moment before we get into her parents, because this is a very serious... I can't do it without laughing. This is a very serious scene in the police station. And Steve goes, Megan, pause the video. And I pause it. And there is a girl in the background in full-out flash dance attire. Yeah, oh yeah. She looks like she came the from The leg a, warmers, the the headband. She looks like she came from a Jane Fonda workout. The leotard with a half shirt over it. I mean, legit, she could have stepped right out of Flash Dance. I was hoping to find out why she was at the police station. We'd never find out. It's just a background performer in what was considered normal attire. 
Yeah. You know, just came just, just came, came from the gym, decided to stop by the police station. So, Andrea goes home. Her mom basically blames her for getting in the car. Her dad says, they better find him before I do. Then the mom says, and they tested her for VD. And the dad just about loses his freaking mind. Right. He's like throwing stuff around the kitchen and he yells at her for not telling them. But this is why she didn't tell you, yeah. dude. Now, he's angry, which is, under, I mean, I understand he's angry because he feels like he should be protecting her. He's the yeah. dad. He's angry she didn't tell. But at the same time, I felt the mom was way worse than the dad. Oh, even. way worse. Way worse. Because the mom is like... A suburban mom who's like, let's just forget this happened. Yeah, the mom didn't want to go to the police. The no. mom didn't want to press charges. No. No. The mom didn't want to talk about it ever again. No. And she also didn't give her the number for the hotline. Like, just get over it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Just get over it. Um, meanwhile, the, the brother, Kirk Cameron, wants to know what's going on. She basically tells him a kid's version of this, which is that she was hitchhiking, there was a bad man, and he beat her up. Right. I thought that that was really appropriate, what she said. Then the mom comes in and yells at her for saying anything to right. him. It didn't happen. Why are you telling some people about Yeah, but, it, you know, the thing is, I think this is the kind of, this is the reason for this show, because you do have parents who would do that. Yeah. And you have people who would want to, you know, and then the mom tells her not around. to wear a shirt out to the to the mall because oh, yeah. it's not appropriate, and they might happen again. <laughs> yeah, it's a purple shirt. People are gonna look at you funny, you know. Yeah. Um, but the she goes back to the cop, and he says, "It's not just your crisis. Your parents don't know what to do." I thought that was interesting. I feel like on the one hand, it puts more pressure on her, like this is their crisis too, and you kind of caused it. On the other hand, I think. You know, a lot of these things are, it's like from a sociologist perspective, it's a family system, right. a social worker perspective, right? That they are affected by it. They they want to protect her and keep her safe, and they don't know what to do or how to help her. David, then we see he comes in and he blames himself. Yes. Oh, also, by this point, she has agreed with her mom to go out with other people. She stops seeing David because she's embarrassed. Yeah, she is. But David starts riding his bike to the corner where they picked up where they were picked up by this guy and is like is doing some like serious reconnaissance. Yeah. Trying to see this guy's car again and get a license plate. Yeah, and I actually thought that was kind of neat because David doesn't I mean, he is confused about how to interact with her, which I think is typical. Yes. Um especially because it's pretty much hinted at that they have not been intimate together. Right. He He's told the police what kind of car it is, but he is going to try to, yeah, find the license plate and help yeah. out and whatever, in the in whatever way he can. Then we have Kim again, who says to Andrea, you're all hung up on your own feelings. F you, Kim, you ball of toxic positivity. <laughs> she, well, yeah, because meanwhile, Andrea is having, like, nightmares and stuff. And, like, oh, PT yeah. Like PTSD from this. Yeah, and her parents are arguing about how to handle it, whether mm. they should go to court if they ever find the guy. But Kim says, just act normal and you'll be normal. Yeah. Which is Fake it till you make it. Which is advice that I got as a teenager yeah. many times. Like, I'm depressed. Well, just, you know, 
get up and get dressed and put on some makeup. Oh, put on, okay. Put on a happy face. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, that won't make me shove my feelings down inside of me. So she pretends everything is fine until, as you said, she has more PTSD. Right. Right. Um, she sees a car, she walks the other way, the cars are everywhere, and then she gets to a payphone, and this is interesting, because I thought she was going to call her mom or her friend, and she doesn't. She takes out the card, and she calls the Rape Crisis Center. Right. And it's at this point that things kind of turn around for her. I like that they didn't, like, completely solve it. No, but she starts talking to them more often, and getting help. Yeah, and she goes, then she's with... Kim again and mm-hmm. she goes she's in her bedroom and she goes you know what happened wasn't my fault and um you know how I'm feeling is normal like feeling dirty and want wishing it never happened yeah and we're like yeah Andrea but everyone in your life the stranger and the in the hotline is the only one that told you that I know it's so sad but that's like again that's why they're trying to have this special yeah. right this is the 80s Megan this is I how know we roll. but it's just like oh no of course it wasn't your fault yeah. this is very similar to um we this was not an after school special it was prime time because they got some big names but mm-hmm. I think originally it might have been an after school special there's this movie with Ted Danson where um and he abuses his daughter. Yeah. And at the end, the therapist is like, it wasn't your fault, but now that we've talked about it and it's out in the open, we can just go back to normal. And they're like, okay. And that's how the movie ends. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like this. They, they really didn't, I feel like they're just starting to be, it's not like assault or abuse hadn't happened in the past. I don't think it was talked about as openly until after the sexual revolution. Right. So you still have like these beginning nascent stages of like people as the second time I use this word on the show, but you have these beginning stages of like people trying to understand it, but like still not quite understanding. Right. You know? Um, and so she's going through this thing where she finally realizes it wasn't her fault and her mom's like, just stop talking about it. Yeah. And she's like, but Louisa says, and her mom's like, who's Louisa? Meanwhile, David does see the car again. He gets the license plate, and the police are able to pick up the guy. Yeah. And Andrea makes the decision that she does want to go to trial, so she goes in and does a lineup. I liked... And chooses him. Yeah, I really liked that they they made it very clear that that was not something she had to do. Right. And it was her choice, and by that point, she is empowered to make that decision. Yeah. Because she's been through some of the counseling. Not as much as she needs, but some of it. Um, And the policeman says, well, he did this to another girl. She had the physical evidence we needed. Yeah, basically, yeah. We're lu- <laughs> Not like you, kind of Andrea, lucky, you yeah. idiot. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she decides to testify, and um, if they're both up for testifying it's a better case right because they have the girl with the physical evidence and then they have another one corroborating that yes and then it ends on a happy note until the camera pans over and as they're leaving the police station another girl is sticking out her thumb to To catch to catch a ride come on and it repeats itself again yeah and steve goes that looks like ted bundy's car yeah, as a as a yellow it, little yellow, pale it yellow was, car drives it was, by. It was a, 
it was a pale. Yeah, it was a, a VW bug, um, ironically. So that was Andrea's story. A lot darker than what Steve thought he was getting into. And then we got to the one that Megan picked, which was not as dark as I had hoped. And I was very disappointed. We, we come from two different places, apparently. <laughs> so, it's no crush. I'm in love. I, in part, picked it because it had Cynthia Nixon in it. She's, I didn't realize she was a child star or had been a child actor. So, that I thought was kind of interesting. My hope for this movie was that it would be about a girl who has a crush and it becomes a little obsessive and she has to get help for it. That was my hope. My secondary hope was that if it wasn't that plot line, that it would be a girl and a guy who they're like too serious and they're like maybe in ninth grade or something. It's like Romeo and Juliet. And they're maybe thinking about having sex and people are like, it's just a crush. They're like, it's not a crush. I'm in love. It was neither one of those two things. Well, it was about... I was so disappointed. It was almost the first one. Not, well, almost. She was sort of obsessed, but not to the point where, like... So this is, again, um, It's Not a Crush, I'm in Love, is based on a book by June Foley, who was a writer of teen romances. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's supposed to be like a rom-com kind right. of thing, where it's um, a teenage girl played by Cynthia Nixon. She has a crush on her English teacher, Mr. Angelucci. And in the meantime, there's a boy from the new school newspaper who's crushing on her. Yep. And she can't see him because Mr. Angelucci is so dreamy, except he's not. Yeah. I call I call BS on this right off the bat. Wait. So, and it, yeah. So, at any rate, it goes through her having a crush. Eventually, she realizes that it's not right. And then she kind of lets it go. But it's like a series of mishaps yes. of her trying to get this guy's attention and failing miserably. And overplaying the interactions that they are having. Yeah. So why do you call BS? Well, because I was a high school English teacher for many years, okay? And nobody was ever in love with me. No girls were ever in love with me. And I'm hot as all get out. Mm, that you know of. I'm definitely hotter Mr. than Mr. Angelucci. Mr. Angelucci definitely did not know that this girl was crushing on him at all. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I was looking for that. I'm just saying it seems a little far I'm like, I'm not hot as all get out, and I've had multiple students hit on me You're a college professor. That's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the point was i feel like they don't most now because i talk about girls, you all the time like they've I, we've seen this trope in like movies and stuff before yeah but i feel like in real life you do get occasionally a news story but in real life most high school kids don't view their teachers that way um they view their teachers like oh my teacher they're a pain in the butt they're always like looking for my homework they're coming you know even when they have a good relationship with their teachers which i tended to with my students it, it was definitely an adult kid interaction because you have proper boundaries though because i I know a teacher uh from my high school who did cross boundaries with students and i actually was called later on to find out if i knew because i have a my father worked at the same school 
They weren't okay. asking me if I had had a relationship with this guy. They were asking me if I knew about, and I said, yes, this person, this person, this person. Right. And I tried to tell them when I was in high school, and they didn't listen. Um, I had a crush on a teacher. He, there was no way. He had proper boundaries. He was never going to look at any student in that right. capacity. Like Mr. Angelucci, who doesn't <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Her. Angelucci does not see her at all in that way. But I do, I think that this, I also had a teacher who made inappropriate comments about young men. Um, and never was brought to task for that. And I, I, I don't know. I, I just watched a de- documentary on, I think it was Hulu, um, about this girl who had been groomed by her teacher and stuff. Um, and so you could see this going two ways. Right. But Cynthia Nixon, the music here is a lot boppier than the last one. Yeah, it's so a young we- Cynthia Nixon, but Cynthia Nixon is interesting because she's, some people when they're younger and then adults, you go, oh, okay, Interesting. Cynthia Nixon looks like Cynthia she Nixon. She looks exactly even the same. at sixteen or fifteen or whatever she is. Yeah. Um. Except she's blonde. Like oh, she's it, really beautiful in this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty now. Um. And she's a beautiful woman. But as wow, she was like gorgeous. So anyway, in the book, from what I can tell, I think I read this book. Mm-hmm. The girl is obsessed with like Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, like those mm-hmm. kind of books, and she wants. And this English teacher likes those books, and she wants to have like, how would Elizabeth Bennet act? Right. How would Juliet act? Here we have a girl who's just moonstruck about soap operas. Yeah, and he and this teacher looks exactly like the guy on a soap opera that she has a crush yes. on as well. Now, people, I don't know if they made into a movie the one starring her friend, but her friend's name is Rebecca Siegelbaum. They never use her first name until the very end. It's just, hey, Siegelbaum. Yeah. And I'm like, who is she talking to? Siegelbaum yeah. wants to be a prison warden when she grows up. I find Siegelbaum that... doesn't mix words. She's just like, no. this is what I do. Yeah, and she's very straightforward. The girls are all giggling over Mr. Angelucci in a way that, um, oh, you know what this reminded me of? The beginning of the first Indiana Jones movie where all the yeah, girls where are all like, the ah. college girls are, yeah. Except that Mr. Angelucci just looks like a normal dude. There's no reason to be giggling yeah. over him at all. Um, and she's love-struck because he looks like the man in the magazine. He's exciting and brave and handsome. And he says... Great literature is just as thrilling as your soap operas. Yeah, because that's what English teachers say. All right, I used to peddle that as well. <laughs> Nobody was picking up what you were like. Great novels are just as good as movies. That was a lie. I would rather watch a movie than you know. You know, I was an English teacher forever. I'm an author, and you know what I want to tell you. You know, you know what's great about movies? No reading. <laughs> Stop it! I can't believe that you would rather. Oh. <laughs> It's over in an hour and a half. I'd rather listen to an audiobook than read a book. <laughs> These are truths from English teachers. Yeah. I'm an English teacher now, and I'm like, is that book available as an audiobook? Can I get it on Audible or yeah. for free someplace yeah. else? On is that available on Audible? No. I'm yeah. going to pass. <laughs> I'm not reading I'll that. wait. 
one of my students just had a book that came out, somebody who I mentored, and I was like, is it on Audible? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, great. <laughs> Part of that, though, is because we read so much for work that right. our brains are like, I can't. Yeah, I, yeah. Can't, I don't want to just do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, she runs home to watch. This is my favorite part of this episode. She runs home to watch her soap opera, which is called The Searching Heart. Of course it is. Now, I'm going to say that the first one we watched moved along at a pretty good clip. It, it it kept my interest. It was interesting to me sociologically how that topic was dealt with in the early 80s as opposed to now. Mm-hmm. This one just, oh, it dragged. It really, the, we were 20 minutes in and I said to Steve, can I switch to a different one? Because I had found that one with Drew Barrymore yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, I was like, no, we stick with it. <laughs> I, yeah, the Drew Barrymore um, one would have been better. More because I was like, we've already gone 20 minutes. We're only 20 mi- 25 <laughs> minutes from the end. I'm not starting all over with a new I story. I also found the one, I think it's Robert Chad Lowe, and it's like I was a teenage father. Oh, okay. <laughs> that but was she, this was too. There's a connection to soap operas, which were big in the 80s. I would yeah. be honest, even as a kid... You know, I mentioned before I used to get babysat by, like, my grandfather. Very often my grandmother would be home, too, sometimes, depending on her job. Mm-hmm. And so I was sort of, as a young kid, when I was being babysat that way, before I ended up, like, being a lock-key kid a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I would watch soap operas with them. And so, you yeah. know, I remember, I don't know what network it was, but I remember the lineup of All My Children, mm-hmm. Days of Our Lives, and General Hospital. That was my go. Those were my... Yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch soap operas, but nobody was home at that time. And I kind of went in between. When did I start that? I think when I was in like eighth or ninth grade, the the Guiding Light was on. And mm-hmm. what interested me about Guiding Light was that it was the oldest show on TV. It had been a radio show. And I love old time radio. Yeah. And I had listened to a couple of the radio episodes and then I watched the TV show and I gotcha. started watching it. And one day my mom was homesick and I was like, I was probably in ninth or 10th grade and this was still a secret. It had been a secret for, for like four years mm-hmm. that I had been watching this show. My mom was homesick and, um, you know, we were watching TV and I was like, I was like, I'm, I can't, I go, I, she's like, what's wrong with you? And I go, I have to find out what happens at Guiding Light. <laughs> she, she laughed and she goes, oh, I used to watch that show. And I was like, what? Like, I had no idea. She really, by that point, I was in 10th grade. I was like, 50, who cares? Yeah. You know? No, um, I was like five or six when I watched Hope Operas. And because, I mean, I like, I shipped Luke and Laura on General oh, Hospital. Oh, man, that's way back. I was super young. Now... Luke and Laura was a whole different situation. Yeah. That's for another podcast. Yeah. But it was. <laughs> well, we'll have to we'll have to try to find that and revisit. I think they have them on Hulu, the mm. old episodes. But anyway, getting back to this show, she starts trying to dress more maturely, and they're reading Wuthering Heights, like which a Victorian is, librarian. Yeah. <laughs> What's hilarious? Okay, there's a couple things. Well, the Victorian look kind of had a. A, a throwback in the 80s, like high collars and right. long skirts and things. But what I also find funny is that this stupid class of ninth graders is reading Wuthering Heights. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I can't I can't deal with it. Um, then we have Robbie. Robbie's trying to kind of flirt with Anne and she is not getting what's going on. She and Sequelbaum at different points stalk the teacher. They sit outside and, and his Siegelbaum house. And at one point goes, Robbie's into you. And she goes, he's just a kid. 
So are you, yeah. Anne? He said you're, he's, he's the same age you are, Anne. I kind of wondered if Anne was supposed to be modeled a little after Anne of Green Gables because it is, like, very, like, romantic imagination. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's picturing all of these things. She's daydreaming. Yeah. Yeah, she's daydreaming quite a bit. Um, she joins the paper because the teacher, she thinks it will impress him. Right. So she's trying to do different things to get to know him. Mm. So first she she stakes out his house with Sequelbaum, who's yep. like, What are we doing? Then um she joins the newspaper and, and, and who's the editor? Robbie. Robbie. And he wants her to interview the new gym teacher. And she says, No, I have this great idea. I'm gonna ask kids who would be your favorite literary character to go on a date with? Yeah, she goes, I can't interview a gym teacher. That's not real journalism. I need to impress the, the teacher. <laughs> the, and, and it comes to find out the teacher doesn't care about the paper. He, he was forced to be the advisor. Yeah. She, and then she says, maybe I could interview the gym teacher. Maybe I can take a feminist angle on it. Because well, she's a gym teacher. I don't understand that. But it's a lot like a bad sitcom. Like, you could see this, it's dragged out, but you could see this being, like, an episode of a sitcom. Right. Like, this week, Anne gets a crush on her teacher. Next week, she and Robbie go to the movies right. for the first time, you know. Then the teacher mentions to her that he's working on his thesis, oh his doctoral gosh. thesis, and he needs he needs a research assistant, so she volunteers to do that. Yes. On and, Saturdays. And what is she doing, though? She's looking for semicolons. She's looking for semicolons in Shakespeare. Yeah, and he doesn't even eat lunch with her like he sends her out. This is a guy who very clearly does not care, yeah. right? Then, I need you to look through all the Shakespeare for semicolons. You didn't own a rack that you could stretch her on? I know. Like there was nothing worse you could come up with? So, and also, that's your PhD? You're doing your dissertation yeah. on semicolons yeah. and Run now, Ian, because first off, he's never going to be a doctor. Okay? <laughs> he, so he's going down the wrong path already, Ian. You need to, you, you deserve better. Then he asks her to go out to dinner, sort of. He's like, hey, let's catch dinner. Robbie's asked her to the homecoming dance. Mm-hmm. He asks her to go to dinner. She forgets about the homecoming dance, stands Robbie up. Mm-hmm. And they go and they have chili dogs, which is not the romantic thing that she had pictured. Right. He no, he makes her research late and yeah. then takes her for chili dogs. Yeah. And she doesn't stand up, Robbie. She tells Robbie she can't go because then Robbie that's takes Seagullbomb. That's right. You're right. So he takes Seagullbomb, who I was really shipping Robbie and Seagullbomb. Yeah. Like, I was really hoping the two of them would just ditch this crazy girl and get together. But Seagullbomb is just the frumpy French. He doesn't get that. So he and Seagullbomb bought each other corsages, we find out later. Yeah. She insisted on corsages, but she, she's like, I'll pay for yours. Um... So at the Chili Dog restaurant, she meets Mr. Angelucci's fiance. Yes. Oh. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. She realizes what she's been doing is kind of silly. She tries to make it up to Robbie. She she makes it up with Sequelbaum. Mm-hmm. And um, then she has one last moment at the end where she calls him. She's like been invited out to Robbie's, but he's has a party that night. Yeah, it's it's a party for his thesis, and he said he invited her because she helped. Because she on helped, it. and she goes, she so she calls him. And she goes, "Hello, this is Anne," and he goes, "Anne who?" Now, 
I understand that you don't have feelings for this girl, but she's been in your classroom and... Every Saturday every working Saturday with you in the library. For eight hours a day, pretty much. Yeah. She's your research assistant and who? Yeah. You're going to call me and be like, hey, this is Megan. I'm going to be like, who dis? <laughs> New Me- phone. Megan who? And you're like, your wife. I'm like, mm. uh, So anyway, she says, um, oh, I, this is in your research assistant. I can't come to your party. And he's like, okay. Like, nobody cares. He's like, I forgot I invited you. Yeah, exactly. And then she gets off the phone and she's like, and who? And then she runs and she goes to Then she realizes that that she didn't mean anything really I mean, she kind of realized it before that, but at that point it's like solidified. There was a terrible heartburn and it wasn't the chili dogs. (laughs) That's true. It was loss of love. Loss of love. Half of love is low. Yeah, half of love is just low. <laughs> so, um, so she goes back to Robbie, and they go on their date. And Sequelbaum, I don't know, finds love wherever she's gonna find love. Right. And um, and that's how that one ends. So it was kind of interesting, at least to me, that we picked two that were so different. Mm-hmm. I really did. I was really happy with kind of the way that fell out. Um, they were very different. Before yeah. we get to how we felt about it, how did people at the time, what was the reception? So the first one we talked about, which mm-hmm. was Audrey's story, right? Andrea's. Andrea's story, yeah, my, my bad. On IMBD, it's, it was given a 6.2 out of 10. Okay. Okay. But interestingly enough, one of the, the people talks about this and says, you know, there's really two pieces to this that jumped out at them. One of the critics. Okay. Right? The first was Kirk Cameron is the brother. Yeah. And the second one was the mother who you will want to slap the nonsense out of. Yeah. And I, that's a quote from the person writing this. That's hilarious. Because this, per, this girl is sexually abused and the mother blames her. Yeah. Tells her to, that she can't wear certain clothing. She shouldn't be dating her boyfriend. Yeah, she shouldn't be. Da- she basically, you know, forget about this. Let's not talk about it again. Yeah. You know, it's just everything wrong that a parent could do, this mother does. You believe it, though. Yeah, it's the worst thing ever, right? I mean, she is a good actress in that I hated her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so and so most people kind of agreed, obviously, with that. And so it was about a 6.2. Okay. The second one was a 6.9. Really? It was actually rated a little bit higher. A lot of people like Cynthia Nixon's, Cynthia Nixon's yeah. acting. Okay. Um, and thought it was realistic in the fact that she didn't become super obsessed. Right. This what this really I think would have connected with kids more because it wouldn't have been like really. Yeah. Like you yeah. know like I I said you know it seemed a little un. Uh, you know, off the nose to me, but if you were somebody who had a crush on their teacher, this is probably how it ended. Yeah, you probably realized, yeah. oh, they don't think of yeah. me that way, no. and I'm stupid. I had a crush and, on my teacher for like two weeks, and that was it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, and unlike the music teacher that ended up having a number of girlfriends, um, for the most part, I also think it was humorous, but it wasn't so far over the top that like you did believe that. You know, that's what girls do. They go and like, oh, let's check out the house of the boy we like. Yes. Oh, I, let me, Um, I'm going to offer to, maybe I'm, I'm going to join a club because the boy I like is in the club. 
I'm not going to say I did that, but I did that 100%. So overall, the ABC After School Specials, for 25 seasons, Mm -hmm. they won 51 Daytime Emmys. That's crazy. That's a lot. I mean, we had a lot with Reading Rainbow. Yeah. But that's a lot. And TV Guide named it the best kids show of the 80s. Really? Okay. That's interesting. Because also, I don't think of it as a kid's show. But I guess if you're counting with teens. You're counting all the way to teens, yeah. 51 daytime Emmys. And I'm going to guess that some That's of those... That's almost two every season, right? Yeah. I mean, you got 25 seasons. Because some of these, you can kind of... Even when you look, there's some that I wish that we had watched that got recognition. There's one called The Wave, mm-hmm. which is um, about... A, a teacher not having a crush on a student, but okay. it's about um, a teacher who tries to teach his students about fascism and um, how the Nazis took power. And then it becomes like almost a, it's like Stanford prison experiment, but in high school almost yeah. where they try to replicate some things. Um, there's the other one I mentioned with um, Corey Feldman and Drew Barrymore, I think did pretty well. Um, was well-received, the one of the teenage father. And the one we didn't watch that I just, you know, kind of alluded to the other, uh, just a couple minutes ago, um, Am I, I think it was called Am I Gay or What If I'm Gay? Um, And the the main kid turns out not to be gay. (laughs) He just has these people thinking. He's just wondering what if. He has magazines where men are scantily clad, but it's because he wants to, like, be a bodybuilder but oh, then, okay, he, yeah, but then a... he questions his sexuality a little bit but one of his friends turns out to be gay and Got he it. kind of learns like hey you know it, he's still my friend it's okay if he's gay or whatever right um i think that that's kind of how that ends the one with the teenage father of like here you know at that point in time teenage pregnancy was higher oh yeah um and stds were a problem so i do i kind of feel like it I can understand why they won some Emmys for some Definitely. of them. Some of them are horribly written. Yeah. It wasn't for <laughs> acting, maybe. No, but... maybe not. Um, so how did we feel about hmm. It's difficult because this is like a taste in a weird way that we don't normally get with other TV shows that we watch. Yeah. I like the idea. But the execution yeah. lacks a bit. Yeah. And if I'm looking, does this hold up? I gotta say no. no. I don't think you could pull this off today unless you really, really change the the formatting and everything, right? Um, I, I just don't see it happening as much. So I would have to give it because of that. And it's not my cup of tea, but we've talked about not everything is. Some of these are, are right up my alley. Some of them yeah. are. So I would have to give it a four. Okay. I'm, I'm not too far off from where you are. Um, I think, you know, my memory of these is that it's like the ones we watch. Some are hits and some are misses, right? I, like you said, I think what they were trying to do, and I think for the time, the fact that a lot of people didn't have comprehensive health education or sex ed in schools, um, a lot of people didn't know who to turn to if they were assaulted or how to deal with it. And those are things that we do know today. I will say, you and I know them. If I talk to a 13-year-old girl, is she going to know not to throw out her clothes if somebody hurts right. her? I don't know that she would. But I think that we know some teenagers, and if we sat them down in front of this, they would be like laughing their butts off. Right. As we were laughing the entire time we were watching them. Right. Now, the second one was supposed to be funny, but the first one was unintentionally funny. Yes. Because it was just done so badly and heavy-handed. Um, 
But I think, um, you know, some of the other ones that I saw some clips of and things, yeah, I'm going to go with a five. I think I get what they're trying to do. It didn't ruin my childhood because it was pretty much what it, what I expected it to be. Right. Um, but I don't I don't think it holds up, and I think that thankfully now we have better conversations around this stuff. And if they were going to make you know a very special episode about it on some TV show or um, a TV show that dealt with it, I think it would be done in a much more nuanced way. Okay. Um, in a way that was maybe even more helpful. So. Four and a half textbooks out of ten. Um, four and a half out of ten for the show. Three and a half out of five for the Capri Sun. For the Capri Sun. Now, technically, this was our movie week. Um, I do want to apologize because our bonus episode for um, Labor Day was supposed to be a true bonus. And then I had to have emergency surgery. <laughs> and so it was not a true bonus. We just played it that week that to week. kind of... Yep. Take that office space. Take that off. Um, if you haven't heard Office Space, it's definitely, um, in my opinion, one of our better episodes. And I also thought that we had fun revisiting it. Yeah, um, give it a listen. Don't switch that podcast channel. Yeah, but um, but we we just finished up a cycle, so we had Scooby Doo, which went viral somehow. Scooby Doo's awesome, anyway. So yeah. I'm not surprised that it happened with Scooby-Doo, but um, we're just very thankful. We had been thinking we would hit uh, 10,000 downloads maybe by next year because Mm -hmm. uh, by the time we've been doing this about a year. And then our numbers started going up and we were like, well, maybe by Christmas. And um, we already surpassed it. And we're as closing I'm, in on 11,000. I think we got 11 today. Oh, okay. Um, and so we're just really grateful for the downloads and listens and all of your support. So we had Scooby-Doo, Reading Rainbow, and then this was our movie pick. Yeah. The after school specials. ABC after school specials. And now we're in going to start up another cycle and we're going to round out our um, back, back to, to school, school stuff with the magic school bus. Um, and then we're going to get into some Halloween stuff yes, for October. October time. October time. So, all right. Now, what is Steve willing to watch? <sighs> okay, so we have the magic school bus. We are going to, um, because of what I could find and where I could find it, we're going to mm-hmm. watch episodes from the first season, which would have been 1994. Um, I want to note that it's surprising to me because I remember the books and the books came out like in the mid 80s. They So they probably just didn't do the cartoon until way later. Yeah. And what's interesting, we almost watched the episode of Magic School Bus for Reading Rainbow. And that came out, I think, in like 85. Gotcha. So at any rate, 1994. Um, and here are your choices. Are you ready? I'm ready. Lost in Space. Okay. Uh, the Magic School Bus Gets Eaten, which has to do with the ocean. Okay. Um, in the Haunted House, which is a sound museum. Okay. Play Ball, which is a frictionless baseball game. Okay. Goes to Seed, which is the class garden. Mm-hmm. And Kicks Up a Storm, which should be self-explanatory. Okay. I gotta go with Space. Okay. You're not gonna go with a frictionless baseball game? Space. All right. So my pick is the Magic School Bus... Goes inside Ralphie. Okay. 
because I love the Disney ride Body Wars. All right. And I think it's going to be a lot like that. Steve's pick is the Magic School Bus Lost in Space. Um, and I think that those will be some pretty interesting episodes. Yeah, so we have that. So actually, after the Magic School Bus, mm-hmm. we're going to have a special bonus for Halloween, but way before Halloween. Is the, we kick off October. We kick off October because Hocus Pocus 2 comes out September 30th. Yep. So to celebrate, we're going to revisit the original. Hocus Pocus. And um, one of us enjoys that movie and one of us doesn't. You'll have to wait to find out which one. <laughs> After that, we're going to watch The Pretender, which is kind of like dressing up yep. like you do on Halloween. And then we're going to start really into our Halloween stuff with The Real Ghostbusters. Um, and, uh, and we're going to go into, and then Buffy. So that's what's coming up. Um, hopefully we might change it up, but I think that's, that's our game plan for right now. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Megan. And I'm Steve. Bye everybody. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.